Pastor Xavier Reese laments a regrettable moment of the Apostle Peter. And the servant girl said, This fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. <laughs> he must have freaked out. He denied it and said, He did not know the man. Peter denied the Lord three times. Following Jesus at a distance can be costly, divine. Stay attached to Him. Abide in Christ. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. We read in the Gospel of Matthew when Jesus spoke, I tell you the truth, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Well, you know what they say about never saying never. And coming up, Pastor Xavier illustrates the simple truth is denying Jesus Christ is sadly a weakness all believers are capable of. Let's listen as we begin a character study of Peter, part two. We have learned many important lessons from our first lesson of Peter for our own lives as we've looked at three features of Peter's life. The man Peter. We saw some very important lessons, who he was, his temperament. The call of Peter, how it took place, the events, the ministry of Peter that God gave to him, all applicable for our lives. There is so much material regarding Peter that we could study Peter for many weeks and months. But I feel that we would do God a disservice if we did not give adequate attention to at least the denial of Peter. Because we can all identify here, and there's a lot of good lessons, a lot of learning as we walk through life. Because there's so many snares, and we are all men and women with feet of clay. No one is beyond any one thing or any certain sins. Never say never. If you do, you're the greatest candidate for whatever you said would never happen. I think that whenever a person reads about Peter's denial of Jesus, they will fit into one of three camps. Some will look at Peter and think, how could he have done that? After all that the Lord had done for him, I would certainly never deny my Lord. That's the first camp. You might label that Pharisee. The others might say, I know how Peter felt. I've denied my Lord. This is the uh, publican that went to prayer. Be propitious to me, a sinner. And yet others will say, there go I for the grace of God. And there's a Christian realizes he is capable of it but by the grace of God he doesn't have to end up there good balance good balance what we want to do is look at the denial of Peter and observe that it provides for us three pictures from God's perspective 
And of course, the material of Peter is so vast and it's um, uh, scattered throughout the New Testament in Matthew's Gospel, Mark's, Luke's, and John. So I'll be directing you to certain scriptures so that we don't have to jump all around. But let me give you the three pictures from God's perspective regarding the denial of Peter. First of all, a picture of complete knowledge. You might label this comprehension. Then we have a picture of human weakness. Label this conviction. And then you have the picture of divine love. Label this compassion. Let's begin with the picture of complete knowledge from God's perspective. Comprehension. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26, in verse 31, it says, Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. The context is the institution of the Last Supper. The fulfillment of the Old Testament exodus from Egypt had arrived. The Lamb of God, who was to take away the sins of the world, was speaking. The words heard made them sorrowful. Mark 14, 19 tells us that. And an amazing thing was that by one by one, each of them said, Is it I? You ever read that in Mark? Is it I? Every one of them knew they had the potential. Every one of them wanted to be the greatest and to rule with Jesus, see? That was the most common conversation among the disciples. So all of them said, is it I? Notice, secondly, Jesus told them that they would all betray him that very night. The proclamation was prophecy, declaring something before it happens, so when it happens, they would know that he was God who spoke in the person of man. The prophecy is recorded in the book of Zacharias, as you know, in fulfillment of the betrayal and death of Christ, Zechariah 13, 7. That's what he's quoting. It was prophesied beforehand that this would take place. Jesus had been declaring his death and resurrection at the hands of the religious rulers from Caesarea Philippi. But the disciples never heard it because they had the mind of ruling, going to Jerusalem and setting up the kingdom and, and knocking off Rome and, and having their place of authority and glory. And so often as when we studied the, the secret of greatness in Mark 10, 35 through 45, that's often the sad mentality of people in the church today. They want to get in a position to rule. This is my ministry. I'm the music director. I've been here from the beginning. Really? This is my nursery. Don't get territorial. <laughs> Nothing belongs to anybody. The only thing that belongs to you is your gift. And you're to exercise it faithfully. We should be praying that God bring new talent. New people into music. Nursery and everything else. We are to give our ministries away. Train others to take our place. Because God has something else for us. So he can expand ministry. 
Otherwise, it stays confined. In verse 34 of chapter 26 here, Jesus told Peter that he would deny him three times that night before the rooster crowed. Surely I say to you that this night before the rooster crowed, you will deny me three times. Peter's in response to Jesus said, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. He said that in verse 33. Now he was certain, he was sure, but he was mistaken. Peter's mistake was twofold. First, he exalted himself above the others. Whenever you and I exalt ourselves above someone else, we're headed for trouble. Absolutely headed for trouble. Secondly, he was overconfident, trusting in his own strength of commitment. I have to make sure that I don't measure myself by myself or among others. My measure is to Christ. Because if I compare myself to myself, well, I know that I've come a long way, so I say, well, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> but if I compare where I am to the time that I've been in Christ, maybe it doesn't look so good. Because my measure is my time in Christ and what he's done in my life. And if I compare myself to others, I'm always going to look at somebody and pick someone who's worse than me so I can end up looking better. I'm no dummy. So I have to be careful. Jesus gave them hope in the midst of a hopeless scenario. Look at verse 32. Jesus told them that he would go before them to Galilee after being raised from the dead. In verse 32. It confirmed that he would die. They weren't listening to that. It, it reminded them that he would also rise. But they didn't even understand that. It promised that he would see them on the earth in Galilee. Notice verse 29. Jesus tells them that he would not drink of the fruit of the vine with them until he would drink it new in his father's kingdom. It implies that they would be with him in the kingdom except for Judas. But in their mind, they were thinking about Jerusalem. I guarantee you. <laughs> the Jew, present age, age to come. They never saw the church age. It implied that he would be honored and exalted through the event in his father's kingdom. As tragic as it was, it was the way God chose to exalt his son. As tragic as God allows certain things to happen to our lives, it is the way by which God chooses to exalt himself in our lives. Trust me, you will cry to God for him to remove things in your life. You will say, Lord, please. And because he's a loving father, he will not remove it. He will not take the pain away. He will cause you to depend on his grace to get through it, to come to the end of yourself. 
And as you grow and mature and you go through that and you look back upon that time, you would not change that experience for all the money in the world because it made you more like Christ and less like yourself. Fiery trials, Peter calls them. <laughs> you remember that one day Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, sent his servant Haziel to Elijah to see if he would recover from his illness. The man asked why Elijah was weeping. And he told him that Haziel would become king of Syria and slay all the young men, dash the children, rip up, open the women with children. And in hearing this, he exclaimed, Am I a dog that I may do such a gross thing? And the prophet said, the Lord has shown me that you will become the king of Syria. 2 Kings 8, 12 through 15. You see, some Christians do not believe they're as bad as Jesus tells them. Oh, yeah, we're sinners, but, I mean, but I'm not that bad. No, no. You're what? Listen. The evilness of our heart is like an iceberg. We only see the tip. The majority is underwater. And when the heat is turned up and the opportunities arise, that baby begins to rise. Only God knows the full potential. He tries the heart, Jeremiah 79. Are you aware that Jesus knows every time you're going to fail him? Do you think that Jesus, come here, Gabriel, I can't believe, I, I never thought John would do that. Do you know that you and I never surprised Jesus? And he still loves us? John 2, 24, 25 says, But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. He knows what's in my heart. When I first got saved in 73, he knew everything I was ever going to go through to the day he takes me home. He knows exactly how I was going to respond. He knows exactly when I wasn't going to depend upon him. And in spite of all that, he called me to be a minister of Jesus Christ. He enabled me by his grace. What God does is his grace. He's so good. Now you may say, what does it matter then? If I confess my sin, if he already knows, why should I confess it? Be careful of that doctrine. There used to be a guy called Bob George on the radio. And he said, oh, you don't have to confess your sins. He already knows them. Oh, great. Be also careful. Keep your life like your checkbook. But as I said, maybe that's the problem. Keep it balanced. Keep your accounts short. You blow it, confess it. Get it right. You have a divine nature. You can be victorious. You can say no to sin, and so can I. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 4. Are you also aware that you and I are much like Peter, prone to exalting ourselves above others and be overconfident in our own strength? It's easy to do, isn't it? It's so easy. Listen to Paul. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find, Romans 8, 18. 
In me, there is not one good thing. I desire because I'm a new creature, but I can't find it in me. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Jesus Christ. I must look to him. You look within, you get depressed. (laughs) You must look to Jesus. Now, I don't know how I'm going to fail in the future. But I know I'm going to fail because I'm not perfect. But I'm going to do my best not to fail. So if I'm going to fail, I don't want to fail big time. You understand? (laughs) You want to be cautious. If you're a tree trimmer, you know you're going to get cut a couple of times. But hopefully you don't cut your arm off. There's a difference. You see, sometimes I can consider myself incapable of certain sins and certain times. And therefore, I'm the greatest candidate for that sin. Pride is the root of all sin. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall. Proverbs 16, 18 says. An unguarded strength is a double weakness. Are you strong in an area? You're overconfident? You're not guarding it? You'll probably fall there. Are you equally aware that Jesus gives to you and I in every testing the way of escape, 1 Corinthians 10, 13? I hate that verse. And I love that verse. I love it because it gives me hope and assurance. I hate it Because when I fail, I've got no excuse. I'm busted. Sweet and sour. He's not the author of confusion, people. 1 Corinthians 14, 33. He enables you. He cannot lie. It is impossible for God to lie. Hebrews 6, 18. He cannot lie. So the denial of Jesus presents to us a picture of complete knowledge and comprehension from God's perspective. He knows all of this. See, that's the problem with some of our prayers. We think we have to inform God about the situation before he can answer it. (laughs) And so many of our prayers are, are directing God rather than just depending on God. And that's always a problem with public prayer because then they become prayers to people around us trying to impress them. So there's always a danger in public prayer. We have to be careful. Now notice secondly, we have a picture of human weakness from God's perspective and we label this conviction. In Matthew 26, 58, the beginning there, It says, but Peter followed him at a distance to the high priest's courtyard. At a distance, Peter thought he could hide from the Lord. At a distance, Peter also thought he could hide from the authorities. At a distance, Peter thought he was safe. All wrong assumptions. John the Beloved got Peter into the courtyard for he knew the high priest. In John 18, 15, it tells us. He had connections. Notice, secondly, Peter sat with the guards warming himself in Matthew 26, 58. And he went in and sat with the servants to see the end. The act of sitting speaks of being one with those arresting Jesus. 
Jesus said, either you are with me or you're against me. You can't play games. You can't straddle the fence. You ever remember when you're a kid and you walk fences? You ever straddle one? Wow. <laughs> it hurts, huh? Don't be a mugwump. Mug on one side, womp on the other. Get on one side or the other. Either you're for Jesus or not. Listen, in the world we play games. Why would you want to play games in the church? You want to play games? Go back in the world. It'll eat you up. It'll destroy you. The act of sitting is a position of rest which Peter did not have. His position was one of anxiety. If you can imagine having denied Jesus, having told him you would never do so, you are different than these 11 clowns. His position was one of conviction. Have you ever been under conviction? Being someplace you're not supposed to, doing something you're not supposed to? It's a horrible feeling, isn't it? <laughs> the act of sitting and warming himself was hypocritical. The very position of sitting was one of betrayal to an extent. He was pretending to be something he was not. He was pretending to be cold when he was scared. <laughs> Peter denied the Lord three times. Matthew 26, verse 69 down to 75. In 69 to 70, the first time Peter denied Jesus was sitting in the light in the courtyard. And the servant girl said, you also were with Jesus of Galilee. He both denied what she meant and that he knew Jesus. The second is in verse 71 and 72. Peter denied Jesus was when he went out to the gateway. And another servant girl said, This fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it and said he did not know the man. The third time Peter denied Jesus is in verse 73 and 74. After an hour when those who stood by came to him and declared that he certainly was one of them, for his speech betrayed him. Peter began to swear by an oath that he did not know the man. Wow. A relative of Malchus, whom Peter had cut off his ear, if you remember in the garden, said, did I not see you in the garden with him? <laughs> he must have freaked out. John's the only one that records that in John 8, 26. Have you ever been somewhere as a Christian that you're not supposed to? And somebody says, hey, don't you go to Calvary Chapel, Pasadena? Oh, no, 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 I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> or they say, hey, what are you doing here if you're a Christian? You go, well, well, I, I came to pick up my sister. Heavy. Sinners are like water. If simply left alone, we all will run downhill to ruin. That's our bent. It takes the work of God for that not to happen.
Following Jesus at a distance can be costly. John 15, 5, the vine. Stay attached to him. Abide in Christ. Pastor Xavier Reese, closing our Simple Truths character study of Peter today with an apt word of caution for all followers of Christ. And there's much more of this message to come next time, but if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, as always, you can pick up a copy. And the title you want to ask for is simply Peter Part 2. It's available on CD for only $4. And this might be a study you'd like to pass on to someone in your church or Bible study when you're through. Now, once again, the title to ask for is Peter Part 2. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com